So my name is Mike Potter. Uh, I'm, I've seen most of you, and I've, I've spoken here before. Um, but I'm uh, the pastor of Foothills Fellowship here in Albuquerque. And uh, Jesse, your pastor, was on staff with us for a lot of years. And, and out of our church came this church. And so this is our, uh, we consider this our daughter church. And we pray for you regularly. And uh, we sent some of our best people to you. I see some, well, not some of them. And... Uh, no, uh, and so we are uh, just always, you are always in our thoughts and our prayers, and we think about you often and pray for you and, and, and support you in any way that we can, but I'm glad to be here. Jesse is en route, along with uh, some of the other people from your congregation, and uh, actually a couple from ours as well, uh, on the Ukraine trip that they took, and uh, I think that he's coming from uh, Atlanta right now to here, and so he asked if I would uh, fill in for him. Problem is, he called me at 3.30, so, uh, no, just kidding. I've known for quite some time that uh, I would be doing this, and, and I'm glad to do this. So I asked Jesse a couple weeks ago before he left, I said, well, what, you know, what do you want me to preach on? I could preach on lots of different things, and we were talking back and forth, and I'm not sure how we landed on this, but evidently, you guys need a little dose of the Holy Spirit, because he said, why don't you preach on the Holy Spirit? And uh, so I told him, well, I can do that, and so consider me your doctor with the prescription that evidently your pastor thinks you need. A little more Holy Spirit. Um, so I've been preaching through the book of Romans at uh, our church, and uh, it's, a, uh, it's a very rich and deep book. Um, and uh, I waited 10 years in, uh, in pastoral ministry at that church until I decided to try to tackle that book because it's so complex in certain areas. But I want to look at a passage of Scripture that's really straightforward. And, uh, and, and shows you the advantages that we have if you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have placed your faith and trust in Him, then uh, you have some fantastic benefits uh, that are yours right now uh, through the Holy Spirit. And so in John chapter 16, it's recorded um, some of the final words of Jesus to His disciples before He went and, uh, and sacrificed His own life on the cross. And He says this, He says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage if I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Now, I don't know how that was received, whether that was really considered to be good news to the disciples who had committed their whole lives to following Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm about ready to go. And um, matter of fact, it's really important that I go because if I don't go, then... You will not receive the next step here in, in, uh, in God's plan, and that would be the helper, the Holy Spirit. And so he says it's going to be t- to your advantage for him to come to you. Now, like I said, I've been studying Romans with uh, my church family, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 8. And uh, it's actually kind of an overlooked passage in, in Romans because we know that in Romans chapter 8, verse, what's the big verse we always quote? Romans 8, 28, right? Romans 8, 28. And in, in a nutshell, what does that say? Yeah, we know that all things work together for those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to His purposes. We quote that all the time. You might have that hanging somewhere. But there's some scripture before that that actually leads up to that. We know at the end of Romans chapter 8 is uh, Paul's kind of exclamation where he says... So therefore, after all that I've said to you so far, we know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. 
neither height nor depth, right? We, that, that passage some of you are familiar with. That's kind of the, the apex or the climax of all that he said. Well, there's some things that he says right before that in Romans chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 5. And we see in verse 5 that there are two laws at play, two ways of living. The first one is the law of the flesh, Paul says. The other one is the law of the spirit. And he's encouraging believers to walk according to the law of the spirit. Okay, uh, In verses 5 through 8, and I don't know how to work this. Oh, just like that. In verses 5 through 8, what we see, the first benefit that we have from the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit, in Him, we have a new mindset. You have a new mindset. In verse 5 it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So we are born with a certain mindset. All of us are in the same boat. There is no differentiation. We are all born in the same mindset, and that is the mindset of the flesh. And um, if you watch, uh, and, and it's good that you take some of the children out, but you start watching children who have to sit still for a long period of time, and they can't do it, they get distracted no matter what their parents say, they flip their lids. I've got a couple of my grandbabies here today. Probably before this is said and done, they'll flip their lids. That's just what happens. Because children are born uh, all the same way. We're born in the flesh when we are born, and we shoot for what we want. That's the flesh. And Paul says that the mind we were born with, in verse 7 of Romans chapter 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to, the God, to God's law. It doesn't submit to God's, it doesn't even submit to its parents' laws, much less to God's laws. It says, indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so here's an important biblical principle that all of us need to understand as we look at this first benefit that we have in the Holy Spirit, and that is that we have the ability to live in a new way, in a new mindset. This in principle is pretty important. Because I think sometimes we get fooled into thinking that even people who are the most moral, the nicest, the most generous people, if their hearts have not been transformed by God, if they've not placed their faith and their trust in Christ, they cannot please God. So a lot of us kind of buy this, this, uh, well, this lie that our culture feeds us that it really doesn't matter um, what you do with Christ. If you're a good person then you're okay with God. And Paul's making it very clear, and he has. If uh, you, you study the book of Romans at all, you'll see that Paul is saying that that's not the way that you're right with God by the what you do, the good that you do. It's by placing your faith and your trust in Christ. And so as one person writes, and I, I don't remember who I wrote this down from, a quote, as far as spiritual life is concerned, God takes no consideration of gender or age or education or talent or class or race or any other human distinction. And that's the good news, right? That God is for everyone. That Jesus Christ died on the cross. He came for the whole world. For all of us. But He does make a difference solely based on the state of our relationship with Him. That's where He makes the difference. And that difference, this writer says, is absolute. So it doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, boy, girl. It doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, and white. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter if you're born into wealth or born into poverty. None of that matters. But what does matter in God's eyes is what you do with Christ. Now, verse 6 says, To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. To set your mind on the Holy Spirit. So you've been given this opportunity now. You used to live in the flesh, and there was no way that you could not... There was no way to please God because you were in the flesh. But now, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you have the ability to live according to the Spirit. And Paul says that to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So to set your mind on the Spirit is to be concerned about doing godly things. It's, as one author writes, it's, it's to have holy affections. Where are your affections? Are they really for yourself and for your own gain? Or do you have the affections of God? Maybe they're just small affections, but they will grow as you spend time uh, in your relationship with the Lord. But to have Christ's grace and love and approach to lives Sometimes after you falter um, is okay, but your new orientation with the Holy Spirit is that you have this new mindset, and in this mindset, it equals life and peace. So many people, myself included, are searching for what is, what is the real life that I was meant to live, and where do I find peace in this life? So we look everywhere, right? We look everywhere. Um, since I was little, I can remember thinking, the next big thing in my life will be the thing that will give me happiness and peace. Whether it's I'm going to graduate from high school. I can remember graduating from high school and getting ready to leave home and go to college and start my life on my own. And I thought, now that's when I will finally have the peace that I want. I get to college and I'm homesick. That's stupid, right? So you're always seeking peace. But Paul says that the Spirit gives us a new mindset. And when we walk in the Spirit... That equals life and peace. <clears throat> when we live according to the Spirit, what, what we're doing is living the life that God originally intended for us. It's what we were made for. I remember one time, I, I am not uh, mechanically minded at all. And I had a job in the summer when I was in college mowing this massive property that basically you started on Monday mowing, you ended on Friday mowing, and you started back over again on Monday. And it was just a summer of mowing. We don't know anything about that. If you've not been in the Midwest, you have no idea what it's like to see grass grow on its own, but it does. And it's, it's crazy. Um, and so I mowed with this, with this $25,000 lawnmower from this, this company that I was working at. And they made sure I knew how much it cost. And it was one of those with the with the uh, the handles that you could do that like the quick turns. I mean, it was awesome, right? And I'm mowing with this. Well, it was time to fill it up with gas. I put the wrong gas in it. So some of you who know mechanics know that's a really bad thing to do. So here I am, 19, 20 years old, and I have to go up and tell my boss it's not running. And, and so he's looking. Oh, that's crazy, you know. He's looking around at it, and then he finally says, "Well." Does it have gas? Oh, yeah, I just put this gas in right over here. And he just about lost his mind. And I uh, just about ruined this $25,000 mower because the mower was not made to run on that kind of gasoline. It was made to run on, I don't even know what kind it was made to. I mean, I can't even tell you. I just put the wrong one in. And so we were down for a week because he had to empty this thing, clean out all this stuff because I put the wrong gas in it. And it's kind of like us. When we live according to the flesh, that is not the way that we were designed by God to live. It may be the way that comes natural to us. It may be uh, enjoyable at times, but that's not the way we were meant to live. When, when, when the Apostle Paul says that in 
Living in the Spirit is life. That's how we were meant to live. And when we're, when we're living the way that we're supposed to live, then we have peace. We have peace, that peace that we look for, that peace that we're desperate for, we finally have. It's ours when we place our lives um, under the control of God's Holy Spirit. And this is kind of uh, what maybe you've heard about. It's the new way of living. It's, it's the new humanity. It's the humanity that we were meant to live by. So one of the gifts that we have through the Holy Spirit that you have right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, is you have the ability to live the life that God meant you to live, the way that you were created, built, and designed. Second thing is that uh, it says, Paul says in verse 9, that the Spirit of God um, dwells in us. Now that's kind of a, a bizarre concept. Verse 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit now. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So contrary to some, some teaching in Christianity, and maybe some of you have been exposed to this, when I was growing up, I grew up in a very conservative town, a small town in Ohio that had a lot of grass, right? Um, I grew up in a small town, but there were some churches, and even in my small town, and maybe some of you are familiar with this, that say, no, you come to faith in Christ, and then you have to wait for the Holy Spirit to fill you. It's a second experience. Well, Paul right here is saying, no, it's the same thing, because when you are filled with the, when you become a Christian, when you place your faith in Christ, the Spirit of God immediately takes up residency inside of you. You're possessed in a good way, right? So you don't have to wait for a second event to happen. It has all happened at once. Now, some of you who have come to Christ, you say, well, I didn't have anything spectacular happen. Well, for some people, it's, it's, a, it's a more uh, dominant experience. For me, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, for the most part, it was very dysfunctional, highly, but... Um, I grew up in a home where we were going to church every week, and at some point, I came to faith in Christ. And it wasn't like this, boom, I had lived a life a certain way, and then radical change. I know people that have had those things happen to them, but that didn't happen to me. But the same experience happened to both people. And it says that when the Spirit fills us up, when the Spirit lives inside of us, we have new life. So if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, you have a new life. It was the Holy Spirit who was the one that filled you on that day. Now, the third one, and, and you know these things. Hopefully, if you've been walking with the Lord at all for any amount of time, you know that you have the Spirit living inside of you. The interesting thing is, in verse 10 of Romans chapter 8, it says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, now, let's stop there for a minute. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of each one of us if we have placed our faith and trust in Christ. Dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Think about this. Um, so when Jesus died on the cross and was raised on the third day, was he the same as he was before the cross? And the answer is no. Now, some of you may go, I, don't, I didn't know that. Well, how many of you watch Lord of the Rings? Anybody? Okay, I can't use that illustration either. Um, Gandalf the gray, Gandalf the white, right? Jesus Christ, when he was raised from the dead, all of a sudden he has a new body. And this is a body, the resurrected body, gives us a glimpse 
of the kind of body that we will have. What, happened, what did Jesus do in the upper room? The disciples had locked the doors. What did Jesus do? Just walk through the wall. Boom, right? I'm not saying that now we can walk through walls. That's the resurrected body. But what we see is that Jesus was given new life in the same way because of the same Holy Spirit that now lives inside of us. We have new life. And I think that there would be some of you that I might be able to, to conjure up here to give a testimony about the way in which you've seen through the Holy Spirit a new life being lived in you. You've seen that change in your life. But there's a third benefit. And uh, the third benefit is where I want to spend a little bit more time and then we'll close. We become sons and daughters of God and heirs of all that is His because of the Holy Spirit. Verse uh, 14 of Romans chapter 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be able to be glorified with him. So we become heirs. Now, any of you ever benefited from being an heir yet? Yeah, don't raise your hand because I'm like, hey, what do you know? So uh, I get a phone call from my mom a couple of weeks ago, and she tells me she did not know this, but she found out that she was an heir to quite a bit of money. Um, It was a surprise to her. Her parents died when I was very young. And uh, so she did not, I was not raised with grandparents on her side. They both were gone by the time I was three. And uh, so my mom was very young when they died. But my grandmother had a sister, and this sister lived to be 97. And uh, I'd always heard about her. I'd met her a couple of times, but Aunt Lucille, Aunt Lucy, weird names back then. I had an Aunt B as well. Everybody's got to have an Aunt B. Somebody, anyone? No. I had a, really an Aunt B. Uh, but anyway, she died too, a long time ago. But Aunt Lucy just died about four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. My mom calls me, and uh, she, we're talking, and you know, I knew that Aunt Lucille had died. And she said, uh, you know, the, the oddest thing is that I just got uh, a, a letter saying that I'm an heir of Aunt Lucille's estate. So, wow. She goes, Aunt Lucille was worth $2 million. Now, my mother is not the only heir. Uh, there are six of them, but they're going to split this. My mom said, I had no idea. Aunt Lucille lived in a little one-bedroom house until she was about 95. Then she went to assisted living and lived healthily until the day she died. Her body just gave out after 97 years. No one knew she had a fortune. And so my mom says, I am an heir. Because, see, my mom viewed her kind of like her mother since her own mother died. The sister kind of stepped in and She was kind of like a grandma. I just always knew her as this old aunt. But she was worth a fortune. And see, that's what God does for us. My aunt, in many ways, adopted my mother. Since my mother's mother died, my aunt said, I'll be your mother. And coming with that came the perks of being an heir as well. And and that's what Paul is saying that God has done for us. He, He gives us his spirit. And when the spirit fills us, that is the sign that we have been Adopted. It says here that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It gives us the confidence and the assurance that we are His. So 
the process of adoption, uh, I don't know if any of you have been involved in adoption or have been. Ado- I know you have. Yeah, I know you have. Uh, when when, when uh, we were when we were younger uh, in, in our family, our kids were still living at home. We took in a 15-year-old girl. Long story. I'm not going to share it with you. We took her in, and I remember um, it took a long while for her to even feel remotely comfortable in our house. And it was very awkward those, those first couple of nights. You know, she's sleeping in our house thinking these are weird people I'm with now. Uh, and <clears throat> we're laying there going, there's a stranger in our home. And it's a weird thing. But as the process moves forward, you begin to kind of gel together. And uh, confidence begins to grow. And, and uh, then it comes a time when a child finally gets it. I belong to this family. There's a family at our church. Um, <clears throat> some of you know. Uh, the Eastmans, but they have been very active in fostering children and adopting children. And they just recently adopted um, their third and fourth adopted children. They have four of their own, and they've adopted their third and fourth ones. And uh, these little ones are about uh, three years old now or so. And I thought that it was actually, I I made reference to this a couple of weeks ago um, in in my own church, but uh, the very week I was going to talk about adoption, about what God has done for us. Uh, Melissa, the, the, the mother, posts this, and she posts the quote from one of their adopted children that says, Mommy, you my mommy. It was as if Francis finally got it. You're my mom. And, and that's the process of adoption that we have. It may take a little while for us to understand that God has adopted us, and he is our father. I remember for me the time when I really began to press in and realize that God is my father, that I don't have to worry about things. I have a father who is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He is the father, my father. It takes a while for us to press into that, but we are adopted, it says here, because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Now, adoption and then becoming an heir, Paul says, there's benefits now and later. So if you were an heir, if you are an heir, and the, the, the person who is um, going to give you all this money when they die is still alive, hopefully you don't want to try to kill them to get the money. It's a joke. But let's just say, maybe we don't joke like that here. Okay. <clears throat> but let's just say that uh, you know that you're going to get an inheritance. Does that make you live a little differently if you know that you have an inheritance coming? I think it does. I think of my own mother. My father died about five years ago. So my mom is now a widow, and she lives on her own. And I think my my dad ran all the finances in our home. And so all of a sudden, my dad passes away, and my mom has to figure all of this out. And she doesn't know if she has enough money. to. to, Is this enough money? Do I I need more? What do I do? I I don't understand any of this. But what if she would have known at the time that when Aunt Lucille dies someday, you're going to get another large piece of money coming in. Would she have maybe made different financial decisions knowing that she had some room? Possibly. See, when we're an heir, we can live our lives under the understanding that that there will come a day when all things that are wrong in our lives will be made right. There will come a day when we will receive the inheritance, the same inheritance it says here, that Jesus had. What does Jesus have? Well, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and so too shall we be, says the scriptures. Jesus now is living in an intimate relationship with the Father again, and so too will we one day. All of these things will be ours, so that ought to make 
those of us who are following Christ live our lives differently. There's great hope. There's great hope. And then we also know that there will be benefits later when we go to be with the Lord. And so through the Spirit of God, we have a new mindset, the ability to to live and to think and to act in such a way that makes us really alive. We have a a new life living inside of us. We have uh, the Holy Spirit that is our guide, the Holy Spirit that gives us the words to say, gives us the path to take. We also have then this adoption that we are now heirs uh, of all that God has done and has given us. And so one last thing that Paul says then that we need to do, and that is, he says that we need to, verse 12, live as debtors. Our lives should be changed because of what we have in Christ, because of what we have through the Holy Spirit. So if my mom would have known that my Aunt Lucille was going to give her a lot of money when she died, normally you would think maybe she would have spent a little more time with her, right? But my mother did anyway, not even knowing, because my mom's a really good mom and a really good person, because she lives according to the Spirit. She was constantly visiting my aunt, making sure that she was okay, spending the night at her house, playing cards late into the night, those sinful women. (laughs) But they spent a lot of time together. But if we knew that... Someone was going to give us a lot of money. Do you think we might want to spend a little time with them and stay in their good graces? I mean, in some ways, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, all these things are yours, and so we need to live as debtors to Christ. We live, verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you've been put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so we live as debtors, not that we have to earn anything. But Paul is saying, listen, in light of all that God has done for you, shouldn't you live your life in such a way that you honor Him? That you bring glory and honor to Him? And so let me just encourage you here in the final moments of our time together to take inventory of your life. Uh, The first question that I think you need to ask yourself, that all of us need to ask, every single human being needs to ask this question, And that is, what have I done with Christ? What have I done with him? Have I I crossed that threshold in my life where I'm placing my faith and my trust in him or not? And if you have, then you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you have all the benefits that come with that. And so in that case, Paul is reminding us to live our lives as debtors, as those who have been given something far greater than we ever deserved. And so have you surrendered your life to Christ? Are you a child of God? Do you have the benefits of the Spirit? And if so, are you walking in that Spirit? Because the Scriptures also make it clear that even those who have made a decision to follow Christ can still walk in the flesh, can still make decisions based on their own selves. And Paul says that's not the way that life was meant to be lived. It's not the way we were built. And so I want to encourage you to walk in the Spirit and allow Him to guide and direct you, press into those benefits that you have. And you'll see that life takes on a whole new meaning for you. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that you would help each one here to walk um, in your spirit. For those who maybe have not yet placed their faith and trust in, in your son, Jesus Christ, and have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit in their lives, I pray that you would convict them and challenge them, that you would move them to a place where they would...
uh, surrender their hearts and lives to you. For those of us who have, Lord, help us to just uh, uh, worship you with our lives because of what you've given us. May we live as debtors to you who, um, unlike those that in this life that we might live as debtors to, you are good. And you don't give us what we deserve. You give us gifts. And you are a good uh, God and a good Father and a good King. And so, as you have given us so many good things, I pray that we would live our lives in worship and praise um, in response to what you've given to us. I thank you for this church and I thank you for these people that are, that are part of this fellowship, this community. Um, and I pray, Father, your continued blessing upon them, that they would not only be built up in their faith, but that they would be uh, people who recognize that they've been blessed by you with these great gifts in order to be a blessing to others. And I pray that you would help your love and your kingdom to spread all throughout this neighborhood. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.